This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here. Welcome into another episode of the Prospect Podcast. NFC Draft Grades chugging along. A few more episodes to go, and this episode is dedicated to every pick made in the NFC West in the 2021 NFL Draft. As usual, I'm going to get right to it, and I'm going to start with the worst class. I, I just was not quite sure the thought process for some of these picks for the San Francisco 49ers. And they've obviously, when they've been healthy, they've been a good team. They were in the Super Bowl when they had Nick Bosa as a rookie, Jimmy Garoppolo healthy. They were a really good team. The three other seasons that Kyle Shanahan has been the head coach there, it's been marred by injury. They haven't been over 500, and the drafts have not been too good. I mean, the Nick Bosa pick was pretty good. Beyond that, Debo Samuel was good in round two. A lot of the other selections have been a little head-scratching, and but it's, it's a little fascinating because... And it's kind of on two polar ends because I absolutely love their decision to pick Trey Lance over Mac Jones. I gave that an A in real time at number three overall. He was a someone, he was a quarterback prospect. He was someone that was, I believe, worth trading multiple first round picks to select. Mac Jones, I would have given that basically an F because I was not high on Mac Jones and I just didn't see him as someone worth trading that much to get. Interestingly enough, after the draft, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Matt Collar uh, when I was on the Purple Insider podcast doing the Chris Trapasso draft show that I did every Sunday night that played uh, on Mondays. He asked me, do you think the 49ers made the wrong decision and they should have picked Justin Fields? The answer to that question is resoundingly yes. But as we got closer to the draft in late April, everyone was fully understanding that it was either going to be Mac Jones or Trey Lance for the 49ers. They went out of those two options. They went with the right one in Trey Lance. He has an all pro skill set. It's very unrefined, but it should be. He was a 19 year old one year starter at North Dakota state. It would be uh, insane for him to, or for anyone to expect him to be this polished quarterback right now I think based on being a 19 year old one-year starter he was probably further ahead of anyone maybe outside of Trevor Lawrence as a 19 year old one-year starter that I've seen in a very long time and I love that he brings the designed run game to this Kyle Shanahan offense that we know is it's time tested to be one of the most efficient offenses one of the most quarterback friendly schemes in the NFL and I won't be surprised if Trey Lance plays at least half the season because I think if Jimmy Garoppolo, even if he doesn't have like three or four stinkers in September and October, but he just doesn't look like 
a top 10 to top 12 quarterback in the league. The 49ers are sitting there three and three and a few games. It looks like they needed better quarterback play and they got good, but not great quarterback play from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's when you will hear a lot about, hey, put Trey Lance in. Let's see what this kid can do. Yeah, the offensive playbook will be a little bit watered down. But again, he brings that designed run element, the big time throws down the field because of the arm strength and arm talent. And if you are a subscriber or you've just listened intermittently through the pre-draft process and then after the draft, you know uh, how I kind of categorize arm strength and arm talent from a clean pocket. Trey Lance has outstanding arm strength and his arm talent when things aren't perfect with his lower half. Phenomenal. It, pretty close to the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford range of the elite arms in the NFL. And we just know that Kyle Shanahan can get the most out of any type of quarterback, but we've only seen him do that with lesser athletes, lesser arm strength quarterbacks. And now to have Trey Lance on the roster, I really like that pick. I liked it somewhat for the short term, but certainly for the long term of this organization, because I think he can be truly an all pro in two, three, four years from now. After that, I did not get what was going on. 48 overall in the second round, a top 50 pick on Aaron Banks, a big phone booth type of guard from Notre Dame. I, I did not have him graded nearly this high. I thought he was decently powerful, pretty good anchor, severely limited with his short area quickness and his ability to sustain speed throughout the play on a run play. And I thought quicker penetrators got the best of him on the inside. Um, he's long, he's big, he's wide. He's really that. And for anyone super young listening phone booths uh, were these things that were all over towns and cities uh, spotted around mostly downtown areas where you could call someone before cell phones. You could put a couple quarters in dial, whatever number you were trying to call, but they were little, they were like three feet by three feet. So when I say phone booth blocker, I mean, he needs to be in a one-on-one -on -one situation, limited movement. That's where he wins. And, if it was another team, if this was the Baltimore Ravens making this pick or the Indianapolis Colts or a team that loves man blocking, gap scheme, power scheme, whatever you want to call it, be like, okay, it's earlier. It's like a two or three rounds earlier than I would have picked him, but there's a need at guard. Okay. That's not what the 49ers do. And certainly Kyle Shanahan can mix it up, but we know that the Shanahan system is an outside zone-based scheme. They want to stretch the defense horizontally as much as possible. Hopefully they block it well. A running back can hit the front side. It's very difficult for a linebacker to sift through the traffic when all the offensive line is flowing to the left or to the right. Or if they over-pursue, they can hit that cutback. And that's where we've seen some of those big runs from Matthew Breida, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, pretty much any running back that is in the backfield for a Kyle Shanahan and before that a Mike Shanahan coached offense. I just don't think Aaron Banks is going to excel in that off in that blocking scheme. So to pick him at 48 overall, like that's a starter. You're like this guy. We want him to start right away. I, I thought that they 
could have used some help on the offensive line, but I didn't think it was that big of a need. And then you could say, okay, well, maybe it wasn't a need. They were going with the best player available philosophy that every GM claims that they do with every single pick. I don't think he was anywhere close to being the best player available. And really, their offensive line has good depth. Justin Schools played well at right guard. He played a little tackle, too. Uh, they have Tom Compton, Weston Richburg, uh, Alex Maxter center, Lakin Tomlinson has been a great reclamation project. A former first round pick by the lions has played very well at guard. Certainly Trent Williams there, Sean Coleman. So I, I, uh, I didn't get that one. I, I gave that a C C plus and that was being, I, th- I think pretty nice. Um, then at 88 overall in the third round, Trey Sermon, I gave this a B minus. He was my number four running back in this draft class. I really liked his contact balance and that for being a bigger running back, I think very subtly he was pretty elusive, not like jump cutting and highlight reel type of stuff, but at like 6'1", 215, not only did arm tackle attempts just completely not phase him at Oklahoma and Ohio State, contact balance is great. I thought on those outside zone plays, he had just enough athleticism and twitch to make like one defender miss in the hole and then hit a big play. We know later in his career at Ohio State, as the bell cow, he was very productive. It's unfortunate we didn't get to see him in that national title game. He got hurt on the first play, separated his shoulder. Hopefully everything's fine with him on that front, of course. So... And in the third round, when you're Kyle Shanahan and you know you can get really crazy efficiency from types like Matthew Breida and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, that I just was surprised that they went running back with the top 100 pick, their third selection. But hey, maybe he ultimately takes over. We know that that running back backfield has been injured a lot too. And Sermon is a, a a top talent at the running back spot. But, and oh, by the way, he is, like I was just describing, he is built to play in an outside zone scheme. So I understand that from a schematic perspective. That's why I gave it a B minus. I just don't know if Kyle Shanahan needs to pick a running back in the third round, especially when you have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson waiting on your roster. I mean, they, they did lose Matt Breida to the Bills. They signed Wayne Gallman. Jermichael Hasty flashed a little bit. Undrafted free agent last year. Just again, was this the best player available? Probably not. And they picked him at 88 overall. It's a little early. Then next, Ambry Thomas from Michigan. I, I like this pick similarly as much as Trey Sermon. This is at 102 overall, still in the third round. He's super fast. His recovery speed is legitimate. It was one of the most impressive um, recovery speed type of corners that I watched in this draft class. He's skinny. He's not very physical, although Michigan did have him playing on an island a lot in that press man heavy scheme. And he did a pretty good job finding the football. He opted out in 2020. I don't know how great his change of direction is. He is a unusual, faster than he is quick type of player. 
and I thought that was a bigger need for them to wait until their fourth pick to pick a corner. I was a little surprised, uh, but to ultimately address it with someone just under six foot, 191 pounds. So I think he bulked up a little, ran 4-4-1. I think he's actually faster than that on film. I w- would not be surprised if we hear later on that, oh, he was playing in the 180s at Michigan, and he wanted to bulk up to get to that 190 threshold. 38-inch vertical, 75th percentile among corners. Small hands, press man experience, pretty good at the line of scrimmage, but not amazing. But I like the fact that if he is beaten deep, and most rookie corners and first and second year corners do have times where they're beaten deep, he can recover and find the football. So I thought that was a solid pick. Then in round five, these are the day three picks, so I'll be a little cl- uh, quicker. Jalen Moore played tackle at Western Michigan. And is another one to really just put it succinctly. He is a phone booth blocker, just like Aaron Banks. 6'4, 311 pounds, long arms, almost 34 inch arms. Tested like an above average athlete for the offensive tackle spot. Is he a, but is he a great mover? Is he a short area quickness guy? Does he look like someone that can be on the front side or even the back side of his own play? Not really. I think he his anchor was very good. I, I really liked uh, what he showed in that regard. And I think for 6'4", 3'11", his short area quickness wasn't terrible. But there are a lot of other blockers that had more agility that just needed to get a little stronger that would have fit that system a little better. Then later in round five, Diamador Lenoir from Oregon, the corner. He was a big recruit. But I never really saw him live up to the hype. I thought Thomas Graham was the better cornerback prospect from Oregon. And Lenoir, not a lot of ball production in his career. And I I saw him get beat over the top time and time again, especially in 2019. He opted out, but then decided to play in 2020. Had an interception against USC. Tested okay. 445 at like 5'11, 200 pounds. He's kind of got a stocky frame, but short arms, short wingspan. I, I just don't think he stays in phase very well or very consistently. And I don't think he tracks it very well down the field. There are times where he looks pretty smooth athletically, but just naturally, like, okay, this wide receiver is in this alignment. He is probably going to try to set me up this way with a, uh, Shoulder fake to the corner, but he's going to go to the post. I don't think he's very cerebral in that sense. And because of those size limitations in those contested catch situations, he's just not very good. So fifth round corner, okay, you're you're banking on the the pedigree as a big recruit, but I just never thought he lived up to that. And I kind of against. It's not really a huge philosophy of mine, but I'm I'm usually against the major recruits, the Robert Kimdichis, the Chantrell Hendersons that are these monster recruits and never live up to their hype in college. But yeah, we can get the best out of him in the NFL. It usually doesn't work out. Then Talhu Funga in the second round or fifth round, their third pick, 180 overall, the safety from USC. Gave this a C. There are a bunch of C's in a row here. C plus for more. Lenoir, C minus, and then a C for Hufanga. He got to play in this completely free-roaming 
role at USC. They just basically said, hey, just roam the middle of the field, find the football. And that is going to always lead to more plays on the football. Was he great matching up out of the slot? No. Was he great uh, down the field, ranging from the deep middle, getting his hands on the football as a free safety? Not really. 6'1", 200 pounds, so he's kind of this box safety, strong safety type, but doesn't have the big, the crazy big frame to, to be that towering presence, although I don't think you necessarily need to be, and then he didn't test very well. The broad jump was in the 89th percentile among safeties, but ran 464, 19th percentile, vertical, 50th percentile. Three cone was actually under seven seconds, but it's only the 62nd percentile, 12 bench press reps. He just didn't really do it for me. I, I think I had him graded in the sixth round. Uh, so I thought this was a tick early. Didn't mind them picking a safety. I thought that was a, an area of need in terms of straight depth. But actually the safety group, I mean, depth's not a bad idea ever, especially in today's NFL and your secondary. Jaquiski Tart, Jimmy Ward, Tarvarius Moore, Marcel Harris, Tavon Wilson, they don't necessarily need another corner or another safety, I should say. So that was a little head scratching. And then Elijah Mitchell, the running back from Louisiana Lafayette, I gave this a C plus sixth round pick 194 overall. He is similar to Trey Sermon in that he is built for a zone scheme. He does a great job with his vision between the tackles, reading his blocks, understanding when he needs to stay on the front side or hit it backside. And he's pretty fast. I don't know if he's as fast as his pro day uh, that he ran 4.35 at 5.10, 201 pounds, 37-inch vertical, 83rd percentile, 128-inch broad jump, 94th percentile. I didn't see that type of explosion in speed, but he did look like one of the faster backs in this class. I definitely did not see the agility that would indicate he would run a three cone under seven seconds, which he did 6.94 seconds. So I, I had him graded. I I'm pretty sure somewhere in the like around 200 and they picked him at 194 overall. So, okay. In terms of value, that was solid. Actually, I think I had him a little lower than this, but did they need to pick another running back? Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty third round pick on Trey Sermon, and then sixth round pick on Elijah Mitchell. I just didn't get it. I mean, this was not really a roster that had a ton of glaring needs, but I think an edge rusher would have made sense. D Ford hasn't really lived up to the hype after getting traded there, especially the last couple of seasons. Nick Bosa is obviously returning. He's a superstar. Eric Armstead, sol solid, but not great. The linebacker group is led by Fred Werner, to me, an elite linebacker in today's NFL. I just, I don't know. It didn't, this was not a roster that had a, a lot of needs. So maybe they really went by their board that clearly did not agree with my board. But the 49ers, sorry, 49ers fans, I was actually born in San Francisco. Uh, so they hold a special place in my heart, the 49ers, a little bit. But when it comes to analysis, no team gets any preferential treatment. 49ers love the Trey Lance pick. Justin Fields would have been the best option, but it's better than Mac Jones. And the upside with Kyle Shanahan is through the roof. 
but I'm giving them the lowest grade that you're going to hear on this draft series. They're getting a C minus. I, I just was not C minus to C range somewhere along those lines. And don't be surprised if the 49ers are better this year or even in 2022 that we're waiting for this rookie class from 2021 and then in year two to make a name for itself and a fall short of that. Moving on to the next team in the NFC West. Let's save the Seahawks for last because they only had three picks. Let's go Arizona Cardinals, a team that has been in the headlines for so many moves this offseason, signing JJ Watt, uh, chief among them. And it's a pretty critical year for this team that it's year three of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and it's Kyler Murray's third year. I think he's been a disappointment as a former number one overall pick. I don't think he's been terrible. I wouldn't call him a bust. I just think as a number one overall pick, he's been disappointing. They sign AJ green as well. The absolute twilight of his career retain Marcus Goldston. Marcus Golden. I don't know why I was thinking Goldston. Uh, Bringing Malcolm Butler to kind of replace Patrick Peterson. So it's a big offseason. It was a big draft for the Arizona Cardinals. And Zayvon Collins at 16 overall. I like the player. I had him graded toward the back of my first round. So to pick him at 16... uh, Thought was a little head scratching. Also because this is an oversized three down linebacker that can do multiple things on the field. Who does that sound like to you? Isaiah Simmons. And they had problems understanding how and where to deploy Isaiah Simmons last year. We saw down the stretch, like month of December, looked a little bit like shades of Clemson Isaiah Simmons. But the first three months of the season, it was like, deer in headlights. And I think part of the problem with Simmons is that he's just a little bit too big to deal with these quick separators in coverage. And that's kind of how I feel about Zayvon Collins. Famously was 270 pounds at the combine recheck, really close to the draft. At his pro day, he was 6'5", 259. So he was like 11 pounds lighter. He's a good athlete. Uh, the three down ability is legitimate. And part of the three down ability is being able to rush the passer on the outside at that size with legitimate power and some bend and an occasional pass rushing move. He can affect the quarterback as a pass rusher, but the coverage skills are pretty good. Like he's pretty aware in in zone can run with tight ends for the most part. I just didn't know if that was the biggest need. And one thing I'll say too, this is kind of going off the beaten path a little bit. Last year, like two or three days before the draft, every single big draft insider in their final mocks were like, oh, Cardinals are in love with Isaiah Simmons. They're picking him. And it was at the time like, oh, do they really? Okay, yeah, all right, I guess so. And sure enough, Isaiah Simmons. This year, two or three days before the draft, no one was quite sure what they were going to do. Are they going to go in 50 different directions? They, they added a lot, but they could still add more. Every single draft insider, kind of out of the blue, all came together, it seemed like, and it was they love Zayvon Collins. And sure enough, number 16 overall, they pick him. If I'm a Cardinals fan, I don't really like the fact that our first-round pick 
picked over the past two years have basically been like leaked to the media two days before. Like everyone knew it was happening. That was a mock draft uh, pick that everyone got right, including myself, because I remember that last year that the Simmons love happened really late in the process and all the Daniel Jeremiah's and the Peter Schrager's were like, oh yeah, they love him. They're going to pick him. And they did. And then this happens again. So good player. And to be very multiple up front, they can run a variety of different fronts. I like that. I just don't love picking a linebacker in round one in today's NFL, especially when you just picked this quasi linebacker safety last year and he didn't really work out because your defensive coordinator wasn't really sure how to utilize him. And I think 270 might be too big in today's NFL. But then they rebound by picking Rondell Moore, a first-round wide receiver on my board, at 49 overall. I gave this an A. If he is healthy, he can be, I don't think this is crazy, he can be the most explosive and arguably the best wide receiver in this class. And that is with all those first-rounders, even Jamar Chase. Rondell Moore has that type of ability. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And that's really it. The explosion, the route running skills. I think you don't have to run 15, 16 different routes. I think we make a little bit too much out of how good of a route runner he is like, or, or how many routes he ran in college. He's playing in this spread air raid system. Run a few routes really well. You'll get open. They'll scheme you open in general. And he is not small. He's just short. It's three inch, almost three inches shorter than Jalen Waddle, one pound heavier than Jalen Waddle at their respective pro day. So he is rocked up. But after the Cardinals picked Andy Isabella two years ago and then have like never used him and haven't been sure how to use him when he's really fast and good after the catch, I'm a little concerned. And it's similar to the Isaiah Simmons concerns. I'm concerned that maybe even Cliff Kingsbury, this you know supposed offensive genius, might not know how to use him. And we thought everyone, including myself, thought, oh, Andy Andy Isabella in round two, what a great pick. Add some speed down the field, get him jet sweeps, throw him screens. They were ultimately doing all that with Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe not the jet sweeps, but definitely throwing him screens when that's not his game anymore. So I like the player. I love the value. I'm just a little concerned that they might take too long of time to utilize Ronda more correctly. And Zayvon Collins kind of the same way. Then in round four, 136 overall, Marco Wilson. Okay, he's interesting because he tested like a first-round pick, truly. Almost six foot, 191 pounds, almost the same size as Ambry Thomas. Decent arm length, not crazy long, but not super-duper short. 4.35 in the 40, 43-and-a-half-inch vertical, a broad jump in the 98th percentile, a three cone in the 80th percentile and 26 reps on the bench, 99th percentile, even a short shuttle, just over four seconds, 69th percentile freak athlete. And because of that, I'm somewhat okay with it. I just don't think similar to Diamandor Lenoir from the 49ers. I don't think he's that natural of a coverage defender, like staying in the hip pocket, understanding route concepts, combinations, how a defense is trying to bait him into following when he needs to stay in his zone, whatever. But the athleticism is there. And they did need some more cornerback help. 
Then in round six, Victor Demukeje from Duke. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, the edge rusher. I gave this a C plus. He's high motor. He will never take a playoff. He's got good pass rushing moves. Both he and his teammate, Chris Rumpf, were coached very well at Duke because they both understood how to use his hands. The only problem with him is that he is short. He is not lengthy. And I think he's pretty stiff. 6'1", 262. So it's kind of a weird frame. Uh, actually has decently long arms. But ran 4'8", 3". 34 and a half inch vertical, three cone over the seven second threshold, which is difficult for someone 6'1", 262. I just don't think the athleticism is there, but this is in round six. So to add more to that, I'm fine with it. Like to add more to the edge rusher group when you have J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. Don't sleep on Zach Allen, by the way. He was one of my first round prospects two years ago. Got hurt early in his career. He's more of like a, a five technique like on the defensive line than a pure edge rusher. But to add to that edge rusher group with Nimu KJ, I'm fine with that. Just very low ceiling. Then in round six, a few picks later, 13 picks later, Tay Gowan, the corner from UCF. I gave this a B plus. He opted out in 2020, but was very productive the year before. I thought he was very smooth on film, very tenacious, uh, at the top of the route stem was not letting wide receivers create a ton of separation and very feisty finding the football. But he did have this reputation that he was going to be like six, two and a half and like crazy long arms, just under six, one, one eighty six, arms, barely over 31 inches and eight and a half inch hands. So he's not as long as a lot of people thought he did run four, four, nine, Three cone well under seven seconds. I think he can actually be someone in this secondary as a sixth round pick who comes in and makes some plays. I mean, they need cornerback help after losing Patrick Peterson, even with Patrick Peterson. Last year, they needed more cornerback help. Byron Murphy flashed a little, but hasn't in his first two years lived up to being that early second round pick. Buda Baker's become the star. So they need bodies in that secondary. And I think Tay Gowan can outperform where he was picked at 223 overall. A few more picks. James Wiggins was on the draft radar for seemingly like a decade. <laughs> he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. I want to say three times. I know for a fact twice uh, tore his ACL back-to-back -back years at Cincinnati. But when he was healthy, you did see an NFL caliber hitter at the safety spot. Very dynamic athleticism but we just don't know where he is in terms of his recovery and the fact that he's an older prospect so it's like at this point he's coming into the league when he's going to be new to the nfl facing players at the same age as him 23 24 that are into their second and third seasons and then michael mennett at 247 overall in round seven four picks later after james wiggins Gave us a C plus. He's very experienced, but very limited physically. He does move well at the center spot. I just don't know if he's ever going to be strong enough and physical enough to deal with really strong and really powerful interior rushers at the NFL level. But they do have Rodney Hudson. That was a big signing by that team this offseason. Very low key, but gigantic signing. 
Lamont Galliard, I really like that pick in the sixth round in 2019. Adding some more depth on the inside. He could probably play guard in a pinch if you need him to, but he's got to get a lot stronger. I don't ever hate picking offensive linemen like sixth, seventh round because I, you see all across the league, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders in the trenches are quality players. I think more than any other position, offensive line, more even so than defensive line, you can get eventually quality production from a day three pick. So I'm never against that, especially when you have a young quarterback like Kyler Murray that's still learning how to get rid of the football, to not run into pressure, and to balance his athleticism with not hurting his offensive line and creating pressure for himself. So overall, I think the Cardinals did a okay job, decent, not amazing. Saving Collins, like I said, good player, but I don't know how much of a need that was and I'm a little concerned about the usage for him and the second round pick Rondell Moore another player who I really really liked had him graded inside my top 25 they get him almost at pick 50 49 overall just concerned about hey are they gonna f just force feed DeAndre Hopkins the ball and get Larry Fitzgerald a couple bubble screens a game and then just completely forget about Rondell Moore hopefully not because he can be special he's that type of talent he was incredibly explosive at Purdue. So overall, I'm going to give the Arizona Cardinals B minus. There's a couple of C pluses there later in the draft. Uh, C plus to B minus somewhere in that range for the Arizona Cardinals. The next team in the AFC West. Why don't we go to the, why don't we do the Seattle Seahawks? Why not? No, let's do the Rams. We'll finish with the Seahawks. Like I said, we know they hate first round picks. They've traded away all their first round picks for all of eternity for these marquee stars. And it's, for the most part, worked out. It hasn't come back to completely haunt them. They, they're a perennial playoff contender. They upgrade the quarterback position this offseason with Matt Stafford over Jared Goff. How good the Rams ultimately will be this year will probably be answered by how much of an upgrade that was to go from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. But I, I do think it is an upgrade. 57 overall, they go 2-2 at well. I gave that a B minus. I like that they add a speed element to this offense that I think that had been lacking. And with Matthew Stafford, with the arm talent that he possesses, that, that, that right there individually in terms of traits is a step up over what Jared Goff could bring you. I like the idea. I thought it was a little early for 2-2 at well. 2019, he was amazing. 2020, teams kind of, had the film on him and, and and kept him under wraps. I don't think he's crazy elusive, but he's extremely fast. If he gets clean releases, he's going to make plays because he, whatever he ran, I don't even care. He's faster than that. He is extremely fast. You can get him the ball on jet sweeps. He's good reverses. He ran four, three, nine. I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he's even actually faster than whatever that translates to on a football field. He really can scoop. Then at 103 overall, Ernest Jones, who's a late watch for me, linebacker from South Carolina. He's super long, and he is always high energy, and I love that about a linebacker. He's better against the run than the pass, but his short area quickness is good, and if you have good short area quickness, I think if there's a chance that you can be developed to be a coverage linebacker, you need to have that. So I, I like the fact that they picked Ernest Jones. I think that defense last year, although it was very good, missed Corey Littleton, 
who signed with the Raiders in free agency last year, who was an amazing coverage defender. That's not Ernest Jones today, but I think with his length and with his tenacity and the short area quickness, he can be a good linebacker, even in coverage. Very sure tackler too. So that was actually a little bit earlier than I had him graded, but I was fine with it. I don't go strictly on where I had someone graded to pinpoint my grades. The need is there and it makes sense for the roster makeup. I'll, I'll give it a higher grade, even if I have someone graded a little bit lower. That was the case there with Ernest Jones. I gave that a B. Then Bobby Brown, the third in round four, 117 overall. I thought there were a bunch of athletic nose tackles in this class that had pass rushing upside. Bobby Brown was the best one. Him and Jonathan Marshall, who the Jets picked in the seventh round, I thought had the most potential to be legitimate and consistent pocket pushers from the nose tackle spot. Because Bobby Brown's like 6'4", 2, or 2, 321, but he plays like he's an undersized three technique. 6'4", 321. I remember that perfectly. Patting myself on the back here for that one, which because I usually get those wrong. Very long arms, almost 35-inch arms, and he tested like a high-caliber athlete for the defensive tackle spot. So you're talking... Big, long, very physical. The first step quickness is there. There's pass rushing moves. A little bit inconsistent at times. Runs hot and cold with his motor, but most of the time he's it's humming. And to play next to Aaron Donald after losing Michael Brockers to the Lions in free agency, that was a very smart pick. I gave that an A for the Rams. Then Robert Rochelle, 13 picks later at 130 overall, gave it a B plus. This is all upside. Central Arkansas, freaky athlete, freaky fast. I think he's better naturally in coverage than some of these other NFC West corners that I talked about, Lenoir and Marco Wilson. But certainly there's going to be a learning curve going from Central Arkansas to the NFL. Almost six foot, 193, 4'4", 43-inch vertical, a broad jump in the 96th percentile. Three cone, 6.84 seconds, well below that seven-second threshold. He just has all the athleticism to be a really good corner. I think he needs to be a little better staying in phase and not allowing separation and being a little more physical, but he was pretty aggressive at the catch point. So I, I like that about his game. I think he can start relatively early, start as a contributor, but then ultimately get into full-time duties maybe later in his rookie year or by year two. So that was a smart selection. Uh, add more to that secondary for the Rams. Robert Rochelle, I mean, at 130 overall, to pick uh, someone with that type of athletic upside, why not? I mean, maybe it was a little earlier than I would have ultimately picked him. Um, they still have Darius Williams there. We know they have Jalen Ramsey. I still am holding out hope for David Long, who I really, really liked coming out of Michigan two years ago, who they picked in the third round. But add more to that secondary. Why not? After that, Jacob Harris, I thought this was way too early for him. Wide receiver slash tight end from UCF. Called himself a tight end. He wasn't a tight end. He had a crazy workout, and it was like, oh, man, like this guy had like the most freaky tight end workout ever. But... 6'5", 219, that's not, that's a skinny wide receiver. And it's just hard with that UCF offense because it's like so spread out. Their splits are insane. Like the outside receiver is like almost standing on the sideline. And he would just run 
a post down the seam, a quick stop route, or a go route. And there was a few big games from him in 2020, but he's an older prospect, didn't really break out until his final season. But maybe the Rams just wanted, again, after going Robert Rochelle to pick another athletic upside type. I thought that was a little early for him. The route running skills aren't great. I don't think he's amazing after the catch, despite being such a freaky athlete for 6'5". And the old wide receivers that have one year of major production, I'm always a little leery about. Then Ernest Brown from Northwestern. He's well-built, uh, bigger defensive end, like kind of a throwback defensive end. Heavy hands, but I don't think his pass rushing plans are too effective. And the, the athleticism, they kind of regress back to just going with someone that's more of a polished player than an athlete with that selection. 174 overall, just adding more beef to the defensive line. I never hate that. Jake Funk in the seventh round, they hit three seventh rounders, was not really on the draft radar. He's very fast, like he has legitimate breakaway speed, but everything else about what he did on film was not super impressive to me as a running back. But 5'10", 204, ran 4'49". 38-inch vertical, three-cone of 6.71, which is super fast. I didn't see that type of change of direction skill on film. And maybe Sean McVay's like, hey, if you can just hit the front side on our outside zone, find a crease, and then hit the accelerators, we'll take that in round seven. Maybe that's what it was. Then the wide receiver from Notre Dame, which I cannot pronounce his last name, and everyone is always like, oh, why? Like, how can you not pronounce all these guys' names? Sometimes it gets deep into the draft and I'm just watching film and I haven't I haven't checked into it and I probably should, but this is one I didn't. Ben Skoranek, wide receiver from Notre Dame, definitely watched his film. Had him graded, I believe, in the seventh round, like late, around where they picked him at 249 overall. He was a big play guy for Notre Dame. He's tall, he's kind of stiff, he's linear, made some good plays uh down the field in those contested catch situations or just when he needed to jump higher than the smaller corner. I think he can do that. He is bigger six foot three, but he's not crazy sudden. The separation skills I don't think are great either, but this is two forty nine overall. And then Chris Garrett, uh, he was an outside rusher, pretty good bend. He's from Concordia. This was kind of off the draft radar too. Two fifty two overall, but I'm, I'm never going to be crazy harsh and add that in uh, to an overall grade and weigh it down with the seventh round pick. So overall, the Rams, I, I like some of these selections. I thought a few picks were a little too early. Absolutely loved Bobby Brown in the fourth round. Ernest Jones was a great pick. 2-2 will add to that offense, a speed element to help out Matthew Stafford underneath. Robert Woods is going to love having 2-2 Atwell on that roster. So will Cam Akers take a safety out of the box. Robert Rochelle in round four, I was completely fine with that because he's big, he's long, crazy athlete. Later, I don't think they did as well on the later stages of day three. So overall, I'm going to give the Rams a bunch of C's here later from round four on. But give the Rams B minus to C plus to B minus, somewhere in that range. Didn't love it. Let's go B minus because I'll, I'll really hang and cling to that B or that Bobby Brown selection in round four. So B minus very close to a C plus for the Los Angeles Rams in this 2021 draft. And then we'll end this episode with the Seattle Seahawks, the three pick Seattle Seahawks. 
56 overall, Dwayne Eskridge. He's an older wide receiver prospect, but I gave this an A- minus because he can really run. And I mean, like Tutu Atwell gets faster as he's down the field. Like he's kind of actually, his burst is good, and then he catches the ball, and then it takes him some time to get up to a crazy high top speed. Eskridge is shot out of a cannon. And I guess, in a way, Tutu Atwell is too. But Eskridge, I, I just feel like, has a more NFL projectable body type than Tutu Atwell at like 5'8", 5'9", 190. Slot receiver that will take a slant and then put it into cruise control and run past everyone. And that's what the Seahawks want in their receivers. They are predicated on the deep ball, on big plays. Maybe they're not, and they probably will never be the most meticulous offense, methodical offense under Russell Wilson, but that's fine. Get them DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and now Dwayne Eskridge in round two. I'm completely fine with that. I wouldn't have hated an offensive lineman here, but to pick a crafty slot receiver, pretty good route runner too, as he should be being an older prospect, a redshirt senior. Uh, I'm fine with that. Add more to your receiver group in today's NFL. Then in round four, Trey Brown, 137 overall, the corner from Oklahoma. Gave this an A, even higher than Dwayne Eskridge. Because I didn't have Eskridge graded that high at 56. I loved Trey Brown on film. He is ready to play in the slot tomorrow. He is feisty in your face. The feet are very light. They're explosive. He finds the football. He plays a lot bigger than his size. And honestly, I mean, we don't need to have that much size in the slot in today's NFL. Almost 5'10", 185. That's perfect. Ran 4'4", 38-inch vertical. Broad jump, 58th percentile. The three-cone was a little slower, but I think on film, you watch it, he must have slipped or or was not properly trained because he can change directions in an instant. And I love how physical he is. He plays bigger than his size. I think that really matches up with what the Seahawks used to have with the Legion of Boom, and, and I think they're trying to rebuild that secondary. Then in the sixth round, so they had two, four, and six. The, the, their picks were in the second round, fourth round, and sixth round. Stone Forsyth, he got a lot of buzz like early April as someone that might go a lot higher than this. Another older prospect, so I don't think they were too worried about, hey, let's get someone that broke out at, at 19 or 20. Let's get polished players that are ready to go that might not have as high of an upside. That's Stone Forsyth. He is almost, I think he's, is he 24? He might be 24. Uh, or he's going to turn 24 during his rookie season. Looks like a big tight end playing tackle. And in today's NFL, yeah, December 29th, 1997. So he's only 23, will turn 24 at the, near the end of his rookie season. He's effortlessly strong because he's 6'9 and like 310 and 315 pounds. Crazy long arms. And there are times in pass protection where he is blocking a big edge rusher and it looks like a piece of cake. But he's lean. He could add weight. He could be 6'9, 320, 330. Easy. The pass protection fundamentals, though, I think are a little bit uh, weak at this point in terms of his. Punch timing is a little late. He doesn't use his length as well as he probably should. And obviously, being that tall, he's not the most impressive lateral mover, like getting back to the inside against an inside move or any type of counter move. 
he can get a little over anxious too and lunge. But in round six, he's someone that I think the Seahawks were like, hey, this is our developmental type. This is our next George Fant that we're going to draft him, coach him up, and have this freak of an athlete and, and this freak of a specimen playing left or right tackle at some point for us. And if it makes Russell Wilson happy, then that's good. 6'8", 307, 30, almost 35-inch arms. Tested pretty well, too. That three-cone drill in the 83rd percentile among offensive tackles is insane at 6'7 and 307 pounds. Or 6'8 and 307 pounds. So overall, only three picks. Uh, I'm going to give the Seahawks A-. minus. A- minus for Dwayne Eskridge, A for Trey Brown, B- minus for Stone Forsyth. Only three picks. I don't like it from that perspective. It's tough to continue to build your team when you're only making three picks. And we really thought we were going to see another uh, draft navigation wizardry from GM John Schneider like he did in 2019 when he turned four picks into 11. There was a trade that kind of helped that out too, but he traded back a bunch and added to that class in 2019 that included DK Metcalf. Stayed put this year. Only three picks, but I really like what the Seahawks did. All right, that'll do it for me tonight. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Prospect Podcast. Tell me why this is the worst podcast ever or why you absolutely love this podcast. Next week, we'll finish up draft grades and then get into one episode per week for the summer. And I'm just saying this at the end of every episode because I know certain fans of certain teams are listening to just individual division episodes. Once we get into the summer, one a week, and I'm going to do a little mix of young NFL players like breakout year two, year three, year four guys, and also some 2022 early stuff, draft prospects, what I'm looking for heading into the 2021 college football season. Again, I'm Chris Trapasso, and thank you so much for listening to the Prospect Podcast.